Hello and welcome to the Who's He podcast with me, Phil. And uh, well, Paul will be joining me later on because he's uh, somewhere in Europe at this very moment. But we uh, we pre-recorded our uh, our topic for this week or this month, I should say now. Uh, because this time we're going to be looking um, at Boomtown in our never-ending, it seems, uh, retrospective of Chris Ferguson's series from 2005. So uh, we'll be talking about that later, where Paul will be uh, rejoining the show. Okay then, so first up, um, as we've been away for a month, there must be a fair bit of news to talk about. And of course, there are, well, there actually, there is. Um, now, unfortunately, we have to start off with some uh, sad news, which appears to be a bit of a running theme um, of late, actually. But uh, we're going to start off with the fact that Clive Swift, um, the actor who starred in the Colin Baker Sixth Doctor Story Revelation of the Daleks as Jobel, and also as uh, Mr. Copper in the Christmas special Voyage of the Damned, um, has died at the age of 82. Uh, now, um, he's been sort of regular face on British television, um, probably most really known from being in the long running, um, I say long running, it's over five years, you seem to have gone a lot longer than that actually, was the uh, sitcom Keeping Up Appearances um, with Patricia Routledge as the uh, famous Hyacinth Bouquet or Bucket, it was actually written and he starred as her husband Richard. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been, I say, other things where he's been in a couple of the M.R. James Christmas ghost stories, which are a particular favourite um, of mine, um, if I'm honest. But um, I think since the announcement of his death, there's been one thing that's been doing the rounds, and he's he's well known in sort of Doctor Who circles as for giving a particularly um, snippy interview um, with Benjamin Cook uh, for Doctor Who magazine around about the time that the uh, Voyage of the Dam came out. Um, it just seemed he just didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be interviewed about it. Um, he was being a very, very I'm an actor kind of thing. Uh, fine, but um, it, it's actually quite funny when you read it. Um, it's obviously he had no interest in, in it whatsoever. But um, it's, a, it's a shame. Um, but also, he was actually in Excalibur as well. Um, the, the, the King Arthur film from, oh God, that's when that was actually, in 1980, 81 or something. So, um, yeah, so... Another another famous face from uh, British um, British TV has gone. Um, now, earlier on in the month, we lost another famous um, face of television and film, actually. W. Morgan Shepherd um, died at the age of 86. And as you know, he played the older Canton Everett Delaware III, who appeared in the uh, Impossible Astronaut uh, Day of the Moon two-parter. And... Uh, it, the amount of things that man was in was absolutely amazing. Um, not only has he starred in Doctor Who, um, he's actually been in Star Trek as well. I think the other person who's managed to achieve starring Doctor Who and um, Star Trek has been Olaf Pooley. Um, but uh, no, he's in Star Trek Next Generation and Star Trek Voyager, and is also as the sort of the, the Klingon, um, I put prison warder from the planet, prison planet of Rurapente um, from Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. Um, and he also starred in the Star Trek uh, reboot, established the Kelvin timeline in 2009, the uh, J.J. Abrams um, reboot of Star Trek. So um, he's been in so many things, so many things. Um, as you know, his son, uh, Mark Shepard, um, played the younger Canton Everett, uh, Everett the III as well. Um, and I think this was... Um, I say probably not a shot. Eighty six is a is a is a good age, but um, I say he's been so many things. Um, probably a lot of people won't be able to actually, I don't know, maybe not even be able to sort of name him. They just know the face. Oh, he was in this, 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 and this. 
So, but again, very, very sad. And um, I, I say from, from geekdom or nerddom, whatever we call it, it'll be very, very much missed indeed. Okay, then. So, on to other news. Now, the um, some big finish news since we've been away. Um, Derek Jacoby is going to return to Big Finish as the War Master. And he's going to be battling the Eighth Doctors, played by Paul McGann, in another um, set called The War Master, The Rage of the Time Lords. And that will be coming out in July of this year. Uh, now, there's four stories. Uh, making up this particular set. You've got The Survivor by Tim Foley, The Coney Island Chameleon by David Llewellyn, The Missing Link by Tim Foley, and Darkness and Light, again, by David Llewellyn. And uh, as I say, I, I don't think... Not, I certainly haven't. I don't think Paul's actually um, dived into the uh, War Master um, box sets yet, so I think it's something we we have, to, we have to do. We keep saying this a lot about Big Finish, I've got to be perfectly honest. Uh, there is a lot... Uh, we've got to catch up on there really is and we're still plowing our way through the back catalogue um in no particular order i'm uh, i'm actually glad to say actually i'm not being bogged down by continuity so there you go so um as i say this will be released in um in july this year um but what i do have is the price of the first two series in the war master range only the good and the master of callus um they're available um, from Big Finish for £35 on CD or £30 for download. Uh, while Series 3 and 4, um, which I believe the War Master Rage of the Tunnels is Series 3, uh, that's available to pre-order for £23 on CD and £20 on download. So uh, so get in quick if you want to save yourself um, well, quite a lot of money there, actually. Now then, um, some other audio news, actually. Now, something else that was announced um, after our last podcast, the Daleks Master Plan is going to be released on vinyl um, this year, actually. Um, it will be released on the 15th of February, so not, not, too, um, not too long now. Um, and it's quite pricey, though, actually. It is um, actually going to cost you the uh, £99.99. Um now, however, it is a big, big, it's like a sort of like six um, vinyl, I think it's six or seven um, sort of vinyl set here. And um, yeah, it looks absolutely amazing. It's actually, it's actually seven, uh, to be honest. It comes, the standard edition um, comes in a 12-inch heavyweight translucent blue vinyl. Uh, and there's an Amazon exclusive edition, which is limited to a thousand units. Um, and that is 12 inch heavyweight splatter vinyl. Um, I don't actually know what splatter vinyl is, I have absolutely no idea. Uh, but basically, it's the um, the auto uh, sort of off air recording taken from the um, TV show from the 1960s. And um, I've got to be honest, it, I'm severely tempted with this one. Um, it is quite expensive, um, if I'm perfectly honest. 99.99, uh, just to just say 100 quid, really, for. Um, a set of vinyl is quite expensive but it does look gorgeous though i've got to be honest it does look really really nice and um i'm very very tempted uh, by this indeed i really am but um so there you go that's out on the 15th of february um if you want to uh well part with 100 quid really um which i might be doing if i'm perfectly honest uh, now, the other Dalek news. Now, this is uh, novelisation news. You think, what else can be novelised from the TV series of Doctor Who for Daleks? Well, if you may remember back to the Target range, Resurrection of the Daleks and Revelation of the Daleks were never released in book form. 
However, that's all about to change, actually, because the original scriptwriter, Eric Saywood, has novelised these two stories. And they were both going to be released later this year uh, for uh, in hardback, I believe, for $12.99 each. Okay, so um, I've no idea when it's... I think the, um, the paperback editions will follow next year. So it's quite a wait, actually. Um, and I think that there's not going to be released actually till later this year, um, the hardback versions. It's actually yet yeah, 14th of November um, for Revelation of the Daleks and slightly earlier for uh, Resurre Resurrection of the Daleks, I can put my teeth in, on the 18th of July. So there's a few months to wait yet. As I said, both hardbacks are retained for 12 99 a piece. So if you're a completist and want to, and they are being actually released under the um, under the target range as well. Um, so if you want to um, complete your collection, there you go. There you go. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I wish Paul was here to actually discuss this bit actually because we've um, covered um, a novelization of Eric Sayers before um, in one of our target reviews, um, which was the Twin Dilemma, um, which we did not enjoy at all. If if we're if we've been both has been perfectly honest it wasn't the greatest of novelizations um a lot of stuff added in there that actually served no purpose to the story whatsoever so let's hope that he does a better job with these two um these two titles so <laughs> we shall see time will tell time will tell but um yeah we'll probably uh, get around to reviewing these in about five years time so there you are now um Next up in the news, something else that sort of, I think, caught people a little bit by, by surprise and maybe a little bit shocked, that's um, David Tennant is, um, well, he's doing his own podcast now. It's called David Tennant Does a Podcast With. Um, now, the first episode has already um, been released, and that stars Olivia Coleman. So he's, he's in conversation with Olivia Coleman, And there's some other... But I think it's going to be just other famous actors. So he's also going to be speaking to the current Doctor, Jodie Whittaker, um, Ian McKellen, uh, for example, and um, Mad Men's John Hamm. So I think a lot of people have actually sort of already written this up or even here in the first episode. I haven't listened to it myself yet either, um, if I'm honest. Um, I think a lot of people just say it's going to be uh, just uh, actors talking to actors, very, very lovey and um, full of actor stories. Well, a lot of people enjoy that. And I'm going to say, don't write it off before you listen to it. Come on, everybody. Let's be a bit more sensible about it. So... Um, yeah, it could be good. Um, I might get around to listen to it one day. I've just got far too many other podcasts to listen to. So I might just download them and keep them in the back catalogue. So, um, so there you are. There you are. Actors speaking to actors. I've got to miss. I'm a little bit of a sucker for that kind of thing. But okay, there we go. Because I love actor stories. Anyway, um, that's it for the news. But I can't believe it. Already, despite saying that we wouldn't be doing it again this year, we are. We're now going to go to Omega's Stats Corner. <laughs> Now, why have we come over to Omega Stats Corner? Well, because we have the final ratings for Resolution. They've been released um, after our last podcast at the beginning of uh, January. So, Doctor Who Resolution had an official rating of 7.13 million viewers, according to uh, Barb, the Broadcast and Research Audience Board. Okay, so um, now apparently this has been the lowest watched or lowest sort of viewing figures for, for a... It's not a Christmas special. Let's just say like a Christmas New Year special uh, since 2005, um, which 
okay, I'm kind of disappointed about it, but I think, again, that's just the way things are now. Um, you know, I still think it's actually quite a good, um, respectable viewing figure, but I think people are already writing it off as being, this is, you know, a yet again, the end of Doctor Who. Um, we'll see. So, um, but to go through the, the four-screen dashboard, it appears to be a popular thing, um, 6.95 people, uh, 95 million people watched it on a conventional TV set. Um, but the four-screen dashboard shows an additional 73,000 watched it on their PC, 54,000 watched it on a tablet, and 44,000 people watched it on a smartphone. And that made Doctor Who the 14, 14th most watched program of the week ending 6th of January. And if you want to know what got the top viewing figures for the week was the New Year's Eve fireworks on BBC One, which had 12.27 million viewers. So there we go. Um, and also the audience appreciation index for resolution had 80, um, which again seems to be round about the the kind of scores that Doctor Who have been getting throughout the last series as well. So um, no change there then. And 80 is still good, um, as, we, as we keep saying, keep repeating. And I'm going to keep repeating it um, just to fill a bit of time, really, because it's just me gabbing on. I'm getting through this rather quickly. Um, is that um, if it drops down to in the 60s, that's when you've, the programme makes have got to start worrying. But in the 80s, it's fine. Nothing to worry about at all. Okay then, now um, next up in stats news as well, Doctor Who um, has made the iPlayer top 10 for 2018. Um, the Woman Who Fell to Earth was the fourth most watched programme on iPlayer for 2018 and it's got uh, 3,965,000 viewers. Um, and the top was The Bodyguard episode 1 uh, which had 10 million 8,482 million viewers and, up, and between that was Killing Eve, McMafia and bringing up the rear at number 10 was Match of the Day Live, Sweden versus England which had 3,153,000 oh god I'll put my teeth in soon folks I cannot talk at all you can show how unprepared I am for this without Paul I need Paul's calming influence here he'll be along later thank Christ so um, yeah there you are again Quite good. Um, I don't think, <laughs> unfortunately, it sort of tailed off a little bit um, after the one who fell to earth. But again, it's always got that first episode um, curiosity for everybody. A new Doctor, new showrunner, new TARDIS, new companions, new everything, new theme tune. So uh, it's always going to be a first episode of any series. It's always going to be a bit of a big hitter uh, compared to the rest. Okay, everybody. So that's stats done. But now it's time for Tat. Oh yes, because it's time for Omega's Tat Corner. You pester me with trinkets! Now, you may remember last year um, that there, there was a range of Doctor Who figures um, from character that were B&M exclusives. Because um, you had the, the third Doctor TARDIS um, set. You had some... Uh, there's a Brigadier on Alton, and there was um, the Bill Vert one, and Amy, and the Lemph Doctor, and you know, it's all sort of um, things. But the um, which seems to be snapped up, particularly the, the Third Doctor and the um, and Tardis set, were snapped up and then sold on um, eBay by um, well, that's Cads and Scoundrels, I should say, um, for inflated prices. But because the shelves were stripped bare by these people, um, people were willing to pay that kind of money. So I dare say it will happen again uh, with these these new sets. Because what's coming out with for B&M is a 5.5 inch regenerated Fourth Doctor and TARDIS set. 
So basically, this is Tom Baker in John Pertwee's clothes. So um, it says that the, this comes in the new classic style guide packaging, now used on most new pre-13th Doctor items. Um, but it still carries the 13th Doctor logo, though. So I'm not quite sure um, what that means. Um, but anyway, it says it's due in the warehouse around the 18th of February, so not too long to go now. And it's got a, it says model number 07005, regenerated fourth doctor and non-electric tyres collector set. Um, and it says, please look out on the site for availability. And the, the tweak three packs appear to have been put back until April. So there's a, I think there's a kind of a, a difference in some of the packs. I'm not quite sure what that means, if I'm perfect, but the interim set, it says, which is during February, uh, features regenerated fourth Doctor in third Doctor's outfit with a fourth Doctor head from the time capsule set, but with new revised decoration. Um, and it says a further set is planned for late in 2019, along with more collector sets. Because uh, it's basically, and it goes on to reiterate, the third Doctor's TARDIS set proved to be extremely popular, especially by Cas and Scoundrels selling it off on eBay. So um, I I actually do regret not getting the um, the third Doctor's one, um, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, so I'm I might just snap this one up um, when it gets released. So um, I'm not too sure um, how many sort of B&M shops there are dotted around the place. I've got no idea. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, if, you know, I know there's one near me, so I shall be, um, I think I might be making a little trip down there. Uh, to be honest, but um, I've no idea on cost, I'm afraid, at the moment. I, I can't even tell how much the old one was, the third Doctor set, but um, but say if you're a collector, it's worth getting. It really is worth getting. Now, uh, lastly for Omega's Tack Corner, um, Titan um, are releasing a 13th Doctor 3-inch, I don't know what this means, Kaiwai and TARDIS. I don't know what a Kaiwai is, no idea. Um, basically, it's a smaller Titan figure, um, it's a three-inch one. I've got the larger 13th Doctor Titan figure, which is on the shelf behind me. Um, and basically, it's the 13th Doctor and her TARDIS. Um, so it's, um, it's yeah, just a basic little twin pack, actually. So it says the, the, the three-inch twin pack comes in window box packaging, and the 13th Doctor will be accompanied by a sonic screwdriver accessory as well. So um, there you go. So they're available to order uh, from Forbidden Planet. Um, I haven't got the link in front of me, I'm afraid. I just haven't come that prepared, uh, to be honest. But uh, but I understand it's retailing around about £20. Um, which, again, I don't know if that is um, good or bad price-wise. Absolutely no idea. Um, but it's due for release round about the end of May. So um, look out for it round about then. Okay, everybody. So that is it for news, stats, and tat for this week. So joining me shortly is Paul, because we're going to be talking about um, Boomtown, starring Chris Rickerson, Billy Piper, John Barrowman, and uh, Noel Clark. I want my complete blank then. I really do need Paul here. He's going to be here in a moment. So for another uh, month then, that was the news. Okay, everybody, now we're going to talk about Boomtown, and Paul's here. Hello. Hello, 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 how are you? Uh, yeah, okay. Good, good. So, our, our second podcast of the year, and uh, we're doing Boomtown. Yes. Yes. 
Well, you know, um, it's, it's that things can only get better sort of feeling. Exactly, sort of exactly. So, um, well, let, let's let's play the trailer first. Here we go. And I was having such a nice day. According to intelligence, the target is the last surviving member of the Slavine family, a criminal psych from the planet Rexacorical Falpatorius, masquerading as a human being zipped inside a skin suit. This nuclear power station right in the heart of Cardiff City will bring jobs for all. And it just so happens to be right on top of the rift. From what I've seen, your funny little happy-go-lucky life leaves devastation in its wake. Always moving on, because you dare not be back. If this power station went into meltdown, the entire planet would go... <laughs> You left me! The rift's opening. The whole city's gonna disappear! Time and space are ripping apart! If it's gonna convulse, you'll destroy the whole planet. And you with it! Right, so then. I don't have to worry there for a minute. He's gonna say, let's play things can only get better. But I was just saying, no, <laughs> no, no, let's not. No, let's not do that. Thank you very much. Anything to do with Bran Cox? No, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so. <laughs> sorry, I just find him boring. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's people who do a Doctor Who podcast. Oh, I know exactly, exactly. With, with dwindling audience figures, and <laughs> still, we shall carry on regardless. Anyway, Paul, what did you think of this one? What do you think of uh, Boomtown after all the after all these years? Is it uh, something you've watched since two thousand and five, or not really? No, to be honest, as <laughs> far as I can, I can remember. Okay. And I know now why. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Kick off then. Kick off. What what did uh what well what what's your opinion then? It just wasn't Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This episode I think this episode really I just don't like the the Rose Mickey bit in this episode. I'd be much happier if we could have just settled on the the Doctor and Margaret. Yeah, because yeah. um, I think that was good, and I think, I think that really explored the the idea of could should the Doctor be basically effectively a space policeman. Hmm. Yeah. In that sense, um, and I just and there was there's good bits in it that, but the whole I just. Don't know the whole Mickey. Actually, what what I'd forgotten about this was episode was that I seem to remember feeling sorry for Mickey in this in the originally. Mm-hmm. And now I'm sort of thinking, hang on a minute, you went there with those, despite the fact you've now got a new girlfriend, and your first question to her was, "Shall we get a hotel?" Yeah, that that I, I've totally forgotten about that bit actually. Um... Actually, I've forgotten about both bits because, as I say, it's it's not something an episode I particularly returned to um, over the last uh, fourteen years, if I, if I'm honest. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, I've, I, I forgotten about the fact he had another, he was he was now going out with someone else, and I've forgotten about him asking Rose to go back to a hotel. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, this actually most of my time in of the the, the Rose Mickey relationship throughout Doctor Who has mm. always been like feeling a bit so- sorry for Mickey that you know there she is running around all over the place and whatever and he's sort of been dumped and now actually I've been in my son I don't really know I don't care really now <laughs> and once you've taken that out of it once you're not actually even caring about him yeah then yeah. that whole Rose Mickey relationship doesn't really have any interest I don't think 
No, it's I don't know. I, I suppose it sort of ties up. Um, I suppose you could say it ties up a loose end to a certain degree, doesn't it? Where after the Aliens of London World War Three two parter, yeah, um, she kind of sort of left Mickey behind again, um, and this sort of kind of gives it a little bit of closure. I know it's sort of they, they sort of return Mickey returns again in the next series, um, and and again that, but his character doesn't really grow to a to a, no. a great degree in this. He he's still I suppose I think I'm trying to think of a better way to describe him, but he's, he's still kind of a a stooge, isn't he? Well the doctor yeah. keeps calling him Ricky. Um Rose treats him appallingly. Yeah. And now we really. now, Yeah, yeah. Oh no, yeah. And that's that's that but that's always been the thing, wasn't it? The whole thing was supposed to be how appallingly Rose treats Mickey. Yeah. And and, and how this affects the people that have been left behind. Mm. But you know, I'm sort of sitting there thinking, well, actually, now I don't really care. Now, now, now I've actually remembered, rediscovered that bit about you. Basically, and I don't know. You'd say, oh, well, you know, he didn't. Obviously, he was just clinging to somebody that he was back in London that he'd been let after she'd gone, and that's why he started mm. going out with her. And he doesn't really feel anything for her. Yeah, but it's just, yeah, no, I think, yeah, you well, either, I, either, either, I, either, I, I, do or don't. Yeah, I think the other way to look at it really is the fact that, that you know Mickey is just so in love with Rose, mm. and I think oh. he will just take any chance he can, even though he's going out with someone else now. Yeah, he'll just take any chance he can um, to get back with her. And that's why he keeps running. He says himself, you know, he'll keep coming, running back to her. Yeah, and oh. he feels, you know, sort of disappointed in himself to keep doing that. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, Rose doesn't do anything to discourage that either. So, wait, wait, yeah, and and the fact that he is 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 the, is the reason why he even tells her about mm. um, the girl from the shop. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. her name now. No, I can't either. To be honest, but, um, no, it was. And the other thing as well, as soon as the uh, that everything starts rumbling and um, and everything, I mean, Rose is across the across the other side of the square. Yeah. <laughs> In record time, isn't she? <laughs> well, to be honest, I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not actually that bothered about that. I mean, the fact is actually that that Mickey just stands there. I think, actually, I think if he was with someone, mm. I think your ch- indication would be to go with them in that situation. I mean, it wasn't wasn't just that the doctor called her and she went running. No, I think it's just he, at that point in time for his character, he was a bumbling idiot, and he just stood around, sort of like in a complete yeah. daze. Anything, any you know, um, yeah. anytime anything happened. So, yeah, I, 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 I do take your point, um, though. Sort of, you know, past don't particularly care because they're at this point they're now both as bad as each other. But I think yeah. it's just the fact that they they do have this close bond and they do keep coming back to each other. Yeah. In some shape or form, perhaps. But um, but obviously, I mean, the big thing of that is it's, it's the return of Margaret Slovene. Yes. Um, who um, apparently sort of teleported out of uh, Downing Street uh, just as the missile hit. So um, it's quite amazing that she managed to get this far without a picture getting in the papers as well. I thought I thought was amazing. Um, and of course, you know, the Slovene aren't the most fondly remembered um villains of doctor who 
uh, since it came back. Um, I think particularly down to the sort of like the the, the poor design or anything else. But I think it kind of worked in this one because it was kept to a minimum. Yes. Yeah, actually, the whole thing was was her in human form, wasn't it? Basically, and, yeah, yeah. And, and the conversations, it wasn't about the fact that it was this alien insider skin mm. suit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that, it was... You know, and, oh, yeah, go on. And that, could, that was quite an interesting story. I mean, this is probably why I started off with the, the Mickey Rose bit, was because I actually think I really would have just liked them to have almost done the whole story. Could have almost done the whole story in that restaurant with just her and the Doctor, backwards and forwards in terms of, you know, what is the where's the moral high ground and where do you go? Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree because the, the the restaurant scene is very, very good and very, very well acted. Um, I think there's there's a I think one of the we mentioned before during the, this ever ever ongoing retrospective series one that you know Chris Eccleston is prone to gurning a lot. He, he does quite a bit of that in this particular episode, and it. Um, but that restaurant scene though, there's a, there's a little bit of it when sort of Margaret Savine sort of calls him out. On sort of yeah. like that, that you know, that there speaks the you know, the you know, the voice of a killer basically. Yeah, just um, you, every now and then you do something good, you know, you let, yeah, you save a companion to tell or yourself, so, save save a life to make yourself feel yeah. better about, yeah. And the look that Eccleston gives her, um, yeah, just says it all, really. And I wish there was a little bit more of that, yeah, from, from him in this series, but um, as it's sort of come out. In recent months, uh, that he he wasn't he wasn't comfortable doing the comedic aspect um, of the Doctor's character, and he and it and it shows really because yeah. he did he did I suppose you could say he did sort of fall back on pulling silly faces um, to a certain degree. But hey, I thought that just that, that sort of just sort of made that was his Doctor, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But this did, this else. this more than any other could have been a story that would have given him. A chance to really, you know, get into the, the the proper acting without the needing the gurning and the whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it was um, no. I say that that seems really good. Um, I think that Badland was very good in this as well. Oh, to be honest. yeah. I mean, and that's apparently why the whole point of the, this Margaret coming back was. Actually, because of how good she'd Russell T Davies had thought she'd been in the original, yeah, the Aliens of London, and yeah, uh, World, World War Three, yeah, because this was a replacement episode, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, actually, someone mentions this in that we got some little bit of feedback later on. Um, person mentioned mentioned this particular right, Paul Abbott. Um, apparently, the original story. Or script for this particular episode um, was that it was going to be the Doctor had actually bred Rose as the, to to be the perfect companion, and it was originally titled The Void. Yeah, but Abbott had to had to pull out of it, so Rusty Davis wrote Boomtown instead and bought back um, Annette Badland. Yeah, as uh, Margaret Savine. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd like to have seen what what could have happened with that that particular episode. It sounds um, sounds interesting. 
Yeah, I'm not quite sure where that one would have gone. No, me neither. Because hmm. the other the other sort of lost script from this series was um, Stephen Fry's, wasn't it? Yeah. And I've got no idea what that one's supposed to be about. I don't know if they ever sort of, you know, this synopsis ever made its way online anywhere. But uh, yeah, it's a shame. It's, it's mm. well, been so good to see what um, what might have been there actually. But yeah. You never know. There might, there might be sort of like a, a novelization cut, like a lost stories thing, or, or maybe Big Finish would might like to make it. Mm. I'm, I'm copywriting that idea right now, actually. <laughs> Not sure you can copyright someone you can someone else's work, but there you go. I didn't say the work, the idea. <laughs> the idea doesn't work though without the work. Does it? <laughs> I'm trying to think what there was some TV show, and it's sort of like listing out the the. the Script by so and so with thoughts by yeah. <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, written by Paul Out with thoughts by Phil Cannon. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll work. Um, yeah, so, so getting back to this, I think the um, different ways she tries to escape with the, like the, 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 the dart and the, 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 the poison breath and all that kind of thing. Um, it's it's such a weird bit. She tries to do that in the restaurant, but she's got all that opportunity to sort of try and yeah. do that on the way to the restaurant. But as they, I was sort of, I forgot about this bit. As they're sort of walking towards that uh, restaurant, which is no no longer there actually, is it in Cardiff Bay? It's um, right. it's actually gone now. Um, they're sort of sort of running, walking on hand in hand, and sort of having quite a a jovial time. It seems. As well, there's all sort of the nice jaunty music playing as they go into the restaurant. So, um, and then it sort of it, it turns into something else once they're inside. Mm. Which I, it just still to, the two scenes didn't seem to link up for me, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, what what linked? What, yeah, the, the, it was sort of just the bit because you had the scene in the TARDIS where she says, "How how many of you can look me in the eye?" Yeah. There. Then you said. Then we had like you know the sort of. Playfully dancing through the streets of Cardiff. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and then back to the serious. Then the few jokey bits in the restaurant, and then back to the seriousness again. Yeah. It's a slightly uneven well, I mean, script it was, it was, in that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was sort of kind of like that all the way through, really, because you had the. Um, I mean, it started off with the usual thing with you know Margaret slaughtering everybody who sort of got in her way. Um and then it got to the bit with the the reporter. Yeah. Which I thought was a good again, a good scene. Um yeah. considering she wasn't in it for a lot. It was the it was the the, the Slovene uh, monster uh, costume. Yeah. Which is her voiceover. So I I I thought that worked particularly well to be honest. And I know sort of like the Slovene costume isn't that emotive to be? It's, it's quite a bulky, fairly kind of rigid sort of um, design, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I thought it actually they actually sort of gave it some sort of feeling on this occasion. Yeah, I, I think you did actually get the sadness in the in it there, didn't you? With the yeah, and that it couldn't kill. Uh. And and again, that then comes back. Then is is brilliantly used in the conversation between her and the doctor in the restaurant. Yeah, you know, which yeah. we then always get the you know the you leave one just to make yourself feel better. Yeah, it's not a 
turning over a new leaf. It's just you'll go, you, you'll go back to to killing until you just decide you need to feel virtuous again. Yeah, that's it. No, I, th- I thought it was really that sort of bit was sort of like two, two very very good scenes there actually. Um, and as you say, the comedic bits, like the bit when she's trying to escape and the Doctor's got the sonic screwdriver to keep her teleporting back and all that kind of thing. Um, I suppose some people would... I don't know, maybe this, maybe this is why people didn't regard this episode too highly. But I think it, it, it is what it is. It worked, to be honest. Again, I think they're still trying... This is Series 1 and they're still trying to get the balance yes. right between, yes. between it being... A children's program and the humour and the seriousness and whatever. Yeah. And yeah, there's still the the uh, the case where you just think this doesn't really necessarily work here. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's no new thing to Doctor Who, really. I mean, you think, I mean, you know, the the tricks that Tom Baker got up to with with the humour aspects yeah. of the of the of the character, and he was just given like free reign. I mean, it's doesn't always work it's very very self-indulgent um and you know it, it's a similar sort of thing here but at least it wasn't this wasn't down to you know giving their their lead actor a free reign to do what he liked this was yeah. just them try, as you say trying to find their feet you know the, the circumstances were different this was giving um, russell t davis a free round <laughs> yes indeed 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 but, but it's you actually find yourself thinking oh this is one of the more Quieter episodes for you know less spectacular episodes for Russell T Davis. Apart from actually, you think the backdrop to it is that the world's going to be sucked for a rift. Well, it is another world-ending yeah plot, isn't it? Um, and I suppose the well, I suppose the one the one he did get it right, where it was it was like a cheaper episode um, with a small cast, just one set. I suppose was Midnight. Yeah. And that was that really was a, a a personal story. There was no, you know, the universe wasn't at th- under threat, and the, the, you know, the the planet they were on wasn't about to blow up. Um, it was again, it, it was a very very small and contained story. Um, and I suppose to a, to a certain degree, Boomtown was as well. It was, it was just that the the stakes were a bit higher in this one. Yeah, I mean, there's not many characters. No, in this. And I mean, even so Captain Jack doesn't really have well, anything. Yeah. He he's a spare part totally in this story. Isn't he is, he? and that, and I was about to say that because you know it's got a small cast, but they couldn't find anything for Jack to do. No, um, they just left him wiring up the extrapolator in the um, in the TARDIS, which which he ballsed up by the way, didn't he? So. Well, no, no. Well, apparently, no. Apparently, he he, he did it properly, but she'd booby trapped it. Apparently, but if it so. gets to a. Which I can understand. I mean, it's not. Yeah. Again, do you think this is a bit of a, a, a Deus Ex Machina ending? Because that did seem to sort of come out of nowhere, really. And especially at the end as well, with the TARDIS opening up and and Margaret turning into an egg. And yeah, I mean, in a sense, it does. And in its own, out of context of. Having not seen the next two episodes, it is. Yeah. But once you've seen the next two episodes, you can see why they did it. Because you had to have the TARDIS open up before. So otherwise, 
that would have become a complete. Where did that come from? Yeah, yeah. In um, the next two. Well, I think yeah. I mean, it works in that context. But you say if you if you were just viewing this for the first time, and there will be people viewing this for the first time. Yeah. Um, it it as I say it, it just sort of, just sort of comes out of nowhere, really. Um, and it's fine. You know, we all know about you know us older fans have heard about you know the, you know the heart of the Tardis and and all that. I mean, going back as far as um, Edge of Destruction for, for yeah. argument's sake, it goes, you know it goes back that far. So, um, yeah, and but the thing is, the thing, and it's this thing has always, always bugged me. Um, it, it's that little speech that, that the Ninth Doctor gives um, when he says, it, "It's it's my ship, my ship, the best ship in the universe." And I always say that's such a clunky, embarrassing line. I, I cringe when I hear it, and I don't know why. It always makes me cringe. That one, uh, no idea uh, why, but no, I don't think I'd really was particularly. It's, it's always like, a, it's like no, it, it just sort of comes across something like a like a, a kid might say about their you know, about their dad's car. It's, it's the fastest car in the world. It's it's a bit you know, but it's not. It's like you know, it's like a Skoda Fabia or something. But, <laughs> but uh, no, it's no, it just it just bugged me. But um, yeah, but it's a shame. It's a shame that sort of Jack didn't get a lot lot to do apart from. I mean, he did sort of set up the sort of the verbal sparring with Mickey. Yeah. In this one, didn't it? With the um, Vicky always found him to be extremely cheesy and everything. So I thought, which I thought was um, thought was good. So I did like their sort of interaction. It's sort of like you know, Mickey wasn't like who the hell are you kind of thing. Yeah, you know, immediately they, they, there's a. Uh, I was like, would you say an element of distrust between the pair of them? Because Mickey, I sort of see Mickey's always already jealous of the Doctor, and also there's another bloke in the TARDIS with Rose. As well, yeah. I mean, and, and the fact that, as he says, you know, you could sort of almost take it because obviously the doctor was older, wasn't as good looking. Yeah. Then suddenly you get Captain Jack, who is. Mm. Then how does he feel about that? And the fact that there's obviously been no problem with Captain Jack joining them on the in the TARDIS crew. You know, and he's in still left way, behind. Probably. Ah, yeah. It's yeah. not. It's not even a case of you know. Oh well, the doctor just wants you know one companion to go with, so you've got to stay behind, Mickey. I know it was originally Mickey's decision not to go, but yeah, there must still have been a you know a thought of there of well, hang on a minute. Ha- well, I suppose it works from the point of view because RTD like that. You know the, the you know the um, rooting it back in Earth again. I yeah. know you, you've already got Rosie's mum, which is probably enough, really. Um, yeah. But actually, it's kind of weird that she didn't ask her mum as well to meet her in Cardiff to think about it, to be honest. Well, no, I mean, I suppose... I mean, there was the sense that she wanted to see Mickey, but you never really got that... I don't know. I mean, it just, well, it it just got a feeling that he was just pumped to Cardiff just to be put upon. Well, it did, yeah. It does come across like that in in, in some aspects, doesn't it? Um, I think somebody um, sort of did, did write in a review. They sort of, they they didn't quite get the why Mickey was brought back because they didn't feel there was that you ever really got a, a sense of them being that close anyway. No, 
And I kind of agree with that because what you've seen so far, um, they weren't really what you would call an intimate couple. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, in some ways, that's why it was sort of almost the, oh, you know, should we go to a hotel? It was almost a shock because you didn't think of them actually, you know, you know doing being, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I don't think there was. You always got the feeling that Rose was just with him till something better came along. Anyway. But that's exactly what happened to this. Yeah. But, you know, not necessarily the whole, you know, anywhere in time and space you want to go to sort of thing, but... Yeah. You know, with... With Rose, the bloke down the chip, he would have done, really, so... Yeah, if someone had come from London, you know, if someone had come from, you know, somewhere Flash would have turned her head. Hmm, Yeah. Yeah, some of the a bit more sort of uh, how can it suave, sophisticated. Well, I wouldn't say that. So I, I'd, I'd say some with a bit more of an edge to them. Mm. I think that I think I think Rose was looking for excitement and adventure, um, which some of a bit of roguish charm. Then do you think exactly? Which Mickey isn't. No, really. he's not a rogue or a charmer, is he? No. So, but uh, no, no, it, it's it's. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, okay, it's it's an okay episode. This one, it, it's not the, it's certainly not not the the best out of this particular series. But then again, it's certainly not the worst either. No, um, I'd actually, that, I mean, that honor probably would go to <laughs> the um. I, funnily enough, the um, Aliens of London and World War Three. Yes, two part. If I'm if I'm if I'm honest with everybody. So, yeah? so what we're saying is this is the best of the three Slovene episodes. Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, and the other thing as well, they um, they they cut down all the fart gags in this one, which yeah. I completely forgot about. Because when I started watching, I thought, "Here we go, here we go with the fart gags," and and it wasn't. It was, and they they maybe they learned something from post production because that was the first recording block. I'm actually I'm actually sure what recording block this fell under. This one, whether this, this is the first recording block or not. You'd have thought it must have been later, though, because if it was only written because of how good she'd been in the the other ones, it couldn't have been... It must have been much later to have given him time to... to deal with it. To have well, seen no, her. In. Yeah, no, I'm just saying because because to keep the services of that bad, they don't usually hang around... For months, they usually sort of book them for a time, and, and they do it in one recording block. So, and they, as we know, they do the episodes all out of order. Um, yeah, but but it might have been. But wasn't the scene in the restaurant actually shot not with the rest with a lot of the other scenes because they had to because of her her time. Oh, I don't know. You've you've got me on that one. I've got no idea. Absolutely no idea. There was something. Saw somewhere about the that scene with the doctor in the restaurant with her mm. was shot somewhere around the same time as uh, Billy Piper and John Barrowman were shooting bits for the Empty Child. Oh, okay, okay. So I didn't know that. Just, no, be- re- just because of, of of what availability 
and it yeah. Badland had. Well, the only reason I, I, I sort of brought it up because obviously they, they've they've moved away from the farting aspect of the Savine to now it's just been it's my, my the yeah. stomach was rumbling. Yeah, um, which I thought worked better. Yes, to be honest, and that's what made me think maybe, maybe they sort of in post production thought, oh no, the farting's not really working, but they had to go with it, and they they, they just turned it into, you know. Well, well, they did. They hunger. did. I mean, I mean, they did do the the thing where she goes into the toilet to change. And the noise yeah. is there, and the reporter goes, "Oh, just in time." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that was, uh, yeah, I th- but that, that was that, that scene actually. Yeah, from walking back with her to the to the to the ladies mm. was basically the only time they really used it. Once once that was out of the way, that was it, wasn't it? I can't um... remember them using it. Again, it, it was. I think it was used a couple of times. Certainly with the reporter, I thought it was in the beginning. Actually, with the no, no, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying minister. the reporter was the last um, bit. Once, once, once she's captured by the doctor. Oh yeah, it stops. Yeah, 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 yeah. They don't I'm use saying, it. I'm to just break. saying. I think it was used a couple on two occasions, and I, I, huh. certainly with the reporter. And I can't remember when the other time it was used, but hmm. I thought it was at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. But, um, it's, funny, it's, it's weird actually because I watched it again and I thought, hang on, that, that's that's Gwen Cooper's dad, <laughs> and it, it just seems to be if you, if you want if you want a Welshman, um, he, he's the actor to, to to go to all the time. <laughs> yeah. Was it William Thomas of the actor? Because he's um, well, actually apparently he was in um, the classic series of Doctor's Remembrance of the Daleks as well. Apparently, yeah, which I don't remember. If I'm honest, but. Uh, well, there you go. Always, always go for him. Yeah. No, I, I thought you know. It, I thought it was it was it was okay. You know, after all, yeah. I would say it's not something I would return to. Wouldn't you say I'm you know I'm a bit bored. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll stick on an old an old. I just lucky dip with with Chris Reckleston. I thought if I if I come across Boomtown, I thought oh okay, I'll, I'll try again perhaps. Mm. See what what uh, where else I can get out of no, a lucky I'm, dip. I'm I'm not quite so sure. Yeah. Well, I'm saying I, I don't think I would. If it, I think it was on the telly, I wouldn't turn it off, but I wouldn't select it as an episode to watch. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm not so sure. I'd, pro- I'd probably watch it for the the scene in the the restaurant, but I'm not really bothered about the rest of the episode. Rest of it? No, no. I'm okay. sorry, but that is that. <laughs> that is that. That is that. Well, we, well, we know where this series is heading towards now. So um, yes, but um, we'll, we'll come back to that. Oh, God knows when, because we. <laughs> Maybe by the end of the year, who knows? <laughs> Somewhere around about April, May, won't it? Be? Hopefully, hopefully. But uh, anyway, um, we, do, we do have a little bit of feedback um, to read out. Um, it, it does appear that um, after a sort of previous uh, weeks, while well, series um, series eleven was on, we had quite a bit of feedback from all you lovely listeners out there. Um, people weren't too enthused with Boomtown it seems and no one could be bothered to send anything but we do we do have um, a little bit of feedback to read so um, I mean to be honest there's there's a question of you actually have to go and find it whereas um, exactly well surely people have got memories of watching watch it, even if it was like that was crap yes <laughs> I suspect I suspect that there's, there's a bit of trying to block it out really maybe <laughs> Okay, so we've got a couple of Facebook um, uh, posts and one from Twitter as well. So we'll do the, the Twitter one first. So we got got um, from um, at Theta Who, 
and they say love this story Annette Badland is brilliant throughout and of course we have that fantastic scene in the restaurant with the Doctor and Margaret uh, couple that with the original team TARDIS of the new Who era and what's not to love okay thank you very much I think it's sort of um, I think the restaurant scene sort of crops up quite a bit here actually yeah. um, but, um, but anyway thanks very much for that um, next we have uh, JR Southall from the Strangers in Space podcast uh, hello JR um, he says it's a shame we didn't get to see what Paul Abbott would have done with an episode of Doctor Who as we alluded to earlier um, so, but considering it was such a late addition to the 2005 series Boomtowns is actually an invaluable way to stitch the story arc together making Rose's bad ball from a, a Chekhov's gun rather than a Deus Ex Machina and also includes the funniest moment of the year she's climbing out of the window isn't she um, now that's that actually that's one of the bits of humour that did work yes in this actually that, that was very well done actually um, now yeah I forgot about of course, the big thing was was the Blythe Droog, Bad Wolf. Yeah. In this as well. Um, That's one of the few things I could remember. <laughs> do you know, I, yeah, I, I I remember them sort of like the Doctor thinking about Bad Wolf, that we've come across that before. I forgot about the Blythe Droog bit, um, however. But it's... Um, no, I, I'd forgotten about the, the, the... It was quite a subtle way. Um and RTD, I've never found RTD to be that subtle, to be honest. Right. But um, no, it was. It was. It was briefly sort of sort of coming everything, bringing everything together, and then the Doctor, no, nah, no, nah, must have been imagining it, kind of thing. Mm. Um, then it just moved on. It didn't get bogged down. Yeah, I mean, this episode it does sort of have a like. Let, let's go through all the clues, sort of thing, before we get to the we see the conclusion with the last mm. two episodes, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's probably one of the um, sort of story arcs that kind of worked. Yeah. To be honest, because the the, the, um, the next scene with the Torchwood one, um, I thought was just sort of kind of shoehorned in a little bit. He sort of, had the idea of Torchwood, the idea of Queen, Queen Victoria doing Torchwood, and then every episode after that, this is the Torchwood, I'm recording behalf of the Torchwood Institute, or Torchwood this, and I just thought it was a little bit... I think... I think also the torture book because we'd had it with this one. Yeah, you didn't. It was like, oh, do we want to really want to have another one going through where there's something cropping up? Your yeah, references, thought, yeah, references, references going through um, because it just felt too similar to this. Yeah, and we got and it again in the next series with Mister Saxon. So yeah, you know. Um, but there we go. So anyway, um, uh, sorry, um, thanks for that, Joe. You, so, so you just reminded to uh, remind me there about the uh, the bad wolf aspect, which we mm. completely forgot to talk about. Um, so lastly, we have uh, Jeff Waddle. Hi, Jeff. Um, he says certainly one of the weaker episodes in an otherwise fantastic season, but it's not that bad. Uh, the Sathine work better in this because you don't see them, and the restaurant scene is an outstanding one for Margaret and the Doctor. Could have done without Rose and the awful way she treats Mickey, though. Six out of ten. Um, but I think, as as we discussed at the beginning, Mickey kind of deserved it. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. My, my sympathy for for Mickey sort of disappeared. Really, this, it waned somewhat. Yes, yes, it waned. So uh, okay, okay. So um, so I think all in all, it, it's it's enjoyable. Yeah, it's okay. You know. Um, there, there is a lot, of, you know, quite a, a bit to like in this. But you say, and I sort of kind of agree with Jeff. Could have, I think he said could have done without the way Rose treated Mickey. I think he could have just done without Rose and Mickey. Yeah, 
in this one. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah. If Margaret and the Doctor had gone to the restaurant in the first five minutes and stayed there till the last five, I'd have been and just gone through the morality of yeah. And it's also a very very short episode. This one, yeah. So I started sort of playing it. Um, thirty nine minutes. This one goes on for, which is just about as long as we've been talking about it. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah, we could, we could have just sat here and read through the script, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, a very, very short episode. But then again, you know, it, it does, you know, obviously one gets the sense there they were saving the budget for the two-part finale. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's definitely. You know? I mean, yeah. I, it, it's obviously shoehorned in as a late thing, so it has really no set of its own. No. No. They're just basically quick run out on the streets and film something, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, no, it, it worked. It worked. Um, as we said, there's there's a couple of things that didn't. I mean, Jack had nothing to do. Um, Rose and Mickey, no real sympathy for either of them now. Um, but that was a bit. The rest of it's perfectly perfectly good. I think. I've just now got this this image of uh, RTD. I'm sitting there, you know, standing there saying, but we've got no time to build the set. Why don't we do the show here? <laughs> <laughs> and then Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland come out. <laughs> hey, let's put on a show. <laughs> oh, God. Let's not go down that path, please. No. So. <laughs> okay, then. So um, that's a, that about wraps it up for this, uh, this month. So uh, next month, should we do a big finish next month? Um, I don't know. It's I've, 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 let, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss this afterwards, whether it's a big finish or a target. Okay, okay. So I, I do actually have some um, ideas for a target novelisation, if that's what you want to do. So, right. uh, but let's say, we're going to discuss this offline, and we'll let you know via the medium of Facebook and Twitter. The medium of dance. Yeah. <laughs> Interpretive dance at that. Yes. <laughs> Okay, everybody, so um, until next month, then, it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Mm-hmm.